So with all that said and done, we're in Luke 11. I'm excited about this message and really a a series within a series that we're going to be calling Hear and Do. Hear and Do. I don't know if you are like me, but there is a disconnect in many areas of my life with hearing and knowing what to do and actually being able to do it right? So, you know, like I've been trying to lose weight for like 20 years. Uh, anybody else, right? Like I know what to do. Like I know that if I eat healthier food and we're extra, like I have the knowledge, I know what it takes, but knowing and hearing and actually doing that are two very different things, aren't they? The reality is you have that in several areas of your life. We know what we need to do to excel at our jobs. We know what we need to do to raise godly children. We know what we need, all these different areas. We know what to do, but it's really hard to actually do those things. Did you know this is a problem for us in the Christian life as well? We tend to know a lot of the things. In fact, I feel that a lot of weeks when I'm preaching the word to you. That's why I will stop and be like, yeah, I know you know this already, but I'm preaching it again because we're still not doing it, right? Uh, So God multiple times in his word is going to kind of just stop down and address that with us. Perhaps nowhere uh, more famous than James chapter 1, right? Where this phrase literally comes from. Don't be hearers only, but let's be doers of the word. So we're going to see in this passage that Jesus is going to give us some help to be able to hear and do what it is that he said. Because if we're not careful, with this new year where we're starting these spiritual rhythms that we've been talking about, and I've loved hearing testimonies about how God is using your time in his word, that has been awesome to hear. But if we're not careful, we can get to a place where we're doing this thing, we're reading the word of God, we're doing the spiritual discipline, but it's never actually changing our lives. And church, that doesn't really help us, does it? So we don't want to just hear the word. We want to actually do the word because the truth is this. Real disciples, followers of Jesus, hear and do the word of God. Following Jesus means hearing and doing the word of God. So we need Jesus' help to do that. I'm just going to tell you that right now because if I said, all right, so that's your sermon. Y'all get out of here. You might try that, but you're going to fail. The good news is Jesus has given us some truths here from his word that we're going to be able to study together. Are you glad to be opening the word? Yeah, I am too. I love to preach the word of God, to study the word of God. But my favorite time is when we can open the word of God together because God is just showing us so many things. I love seeing the light bulb moments go on all around. I know we have some light bulbs out, but that's all right. You know what I'm talking about, right? Just go with it. We have those light bulb moments where God is showing us different things. It's just an incredible, incredible thing for us. So I'm I'm pumped that we get to read the word. So let's read it, and then we'll pray and ask for his help as we dive in. We're in Luke 11, starting in verse 27. As Jesus said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and keep it. When the crowds were increasing, Jesus began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. 
No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Let's pray together. Lord, we just ask for your help today. God, as we open your word, we know that you stand ready to speak to us, to challenge us, change us, and make us more like you. So God, we're asking you to do your work. We don't wanna just walk out of here smarter or feeling entertained or like we know more or feel better, but Lord, we want to walk out of here knowing that we have heard from you. God, when we know we've heard from you, then we can feel better about our lives. We can begin to turn things over to you and you can change us. So Lord, we want that inside out transformation that only you can bring through your word. So speak to us. Lord, I pray you would give my words clarity and uh, hearts and ears out here would be ready to receive it and understand it today. So grateful for this opportunity and thankful for your word. It's in your name we pray, amen. Well, we jumped right into a conversation that we left last week, and we're going to see Jesus continuing to have this dialogue with the crowd that is gathered. And there's three passages here that sometimes, and even rightfully so, could be handled separately. But I want us to look at all three of them together and see the thread that is running through them when it comes to this idea of hearing and doing the Word of God. So if it's all right with you, and I don't know why I'm asking because I'm the one with the microphone and we're just going to do it, we're going to dive into this section by section section and kind of let the Lord speak to us section by section about what it means for us to hear and do the word of God. So let's start with this first section. And what we're going to see here is the blessing, the blessing, and the blessing is hearing and doing the word of God, hearing and doing the word of God. In verses 27 and 28, Jesus is talking. In fact, he's been talking about the demons and all of that that we addressed last week. And as he's talking, it says that a woman speaks up and declares, your mama sure must be proud, or something along the lines of that, right? Uh, this wasn't just like a, a Midwestern or Southern pleasantry, though, you know, like we would say. Uh, if, if somebody says that to you, you probably say, yeah, she is, or, uh, you know, uh, I don't really know, or some of you maybe haven't heard that. Uh, you've instead heard, wow, I'm going to pray for your mama. That's a different conversation, though, right? But in Jewish culture, you need to understand that this wasn't just a kind thing to say, but rather their family connection in a Jewish background was of the utmost importance to them. Who you were connected to mattered a great deal for your standing in social life. Who are you connected to? It mattered a great deal to them. So when this woman declared this, see, she wasn't just saying, oh, wow, your mama must be proud. Instead, she was saying, it would be awesome to have a familial connection to you, Jesus. How amazing would that be to have that kind of real family connection? How blessed is your mom? I mean, she gave birth to you and she nursed you. I wish I could have that kind of special connection to the Savior of the world. Jesus, though, has an odd response. He says, blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and keep it. 
It's interesting to note that several months ago in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, I'm sure you all remember that. I'm just going to keep talking because I don't want to know if you don't. Do you remember the conversation strikingly similar to this occurred? Do you remember Jesus' mother and brothers were trying to find him and talk to him? And the crowd said, hey, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are looking for you. And do you remember what Jesus said? Uh, My mother and brothers are those who hear and respond to the word of God. It's not an accident that now twice already in this gospel, kind of the same scenario has happened here. First, it said, hey, your mom and your brothers are looking for you. And Jesus says, no, this crowd is my mom and brothers because they're hearing the word of God and responding. And now Luke repeats it here. This woman said, it must be special to be a part of your family. And Jesus says, no, blessed are those who hear and do. See, the blessed person is the one who hears and does the word of God. I know this may seem like a weird reaction from Christ, but you need to understand, Jesus isn't going, nah, my mom isn't anything special. That's not what he's saying here in this passage. Instead, what he's doing is he's making it clear that an intimate connection with him is possible. Not just for his mom, uh, not only for his brothers, not only for those who are connected to him by family, But this intimate connection with Jesus is possible to all who will hear and respond to the word of God. Isn't that good news today? And this resonates with us, but again, I think we need to stop for a second and think about the deeper thing happening here. This would be a shock to the Jewish culture hearing this. Because Jesus is elevating this over their families. And again, family was the utmost important connection to them. And he goes, no, what's even more important is hearing and doing the word of God. This would shock them to hear this. I want to ask you a question today. What is your ultimate, where do you find your ultimate sense of connection in this world? Where do you find your ultimate meaning, your ultimate purpose, your ultimate value? What is that connection point for you? For the Jewish culture, it was the family. It was who you're related to, who you're connected to, made you who you are. The question for us today is what is it that makes you who you are today? I think there's a lot of factors that determine that in our lives. Maybe it's your age or your station in life. I know for me right now, uh, as a a young family raising kids, for us, uh, family is probably that for us. That's where we spend the bulk of our time, energy, and direction. We're all in on that. I remember uh, before we had kids, and even when I was single, I remember that life was really about trying to really invest in my career and being successful and making sure that people around me knew that I was successful and I had all of my stuff together, right? And then I've talked to people who are past me who maybe are empty nesters and in that next stage of life where they kind of go back to career. It's like, so what am I going to do now? My kids are gone. Oh, I get to work again. Yeah. And try to build value there. And then I know people who are there and then they're like, man, I really hope my kids have kids so I can go back to family and being a grandparent. Right. Uh, And then I know some people who are just like, I want to save up enough to retire and really be able to settle down. And we have all these different things that we're chasing. All of these things that we think will be our ultimate sense of connection and meaning and purpose. We form our identity by all these different things. And I think what's interesting here is that Jesus is going to speak specifically into that. 
As Jesus addresses the family here in Jewish culture, I think he would speak directly into whatever lie you've told yourself today. You say, well, lie? What are you talking about? The lie that what you're seeking is going to satisfy you. Your family is never going to fulfill you. Your job is never going to fulfill you. Money and success are never going to fulfill you. The Chiefs winning the Super Bowl is never going to happen. I mean, never, sorry, jinx. Hey, hey, and if it does, it's not going to fulfill you. My favorite sports team won a championship, and now they're saying we were banging trash cans and stuff. I mean, it's coming, right? A couple years later, they're going to try to come take my replica ring. Come for it, all right? I'm ready. (laughs) Sorry, I slipped in testimony time there. All these things that we think will fulfill us will not fulfill us. And Jesus is going to speak directly into the heart of those lies. So, so I understand, like, let's just kind of make this real. I know that none of you today would yell out and say, Jesus, it would be awesome to be your mom, right? Like, we're not going to say that today. And if you are, that's a weird conversation we need to have. Some of you, though, would be like Instagramming the snot out of baby Jesus in 2020. I just know how that works, right? So we, won't, we don't yell that out, but our hearts and our souls today are crying out for things that we think would satisfy us, that we think would fulfill the deepest longings of our life. And Jesus wants to speak directly into those deepest wants and desires and say, no, blessed are those who hear and do my word. Do you feel that today? Oh, that we would know this blessing to recognize that we don't need all these other things that we're chasing. Because some of you have been there. Some of you have learned this lesson the hard way, right? You get what you're chasing and it doesn't satisfy you. You're still miserable. So then we say, okay, I'm going back to the Lord. No, we don't. What do you usually do at that point? You find something else to chase after. So our lives become this cycle of looking for the next thing that might satisfy us and we get to the end of our life and realize that we have wasted it chasing after meaningless things that were never meant to fulfill us. Jesus says, find your ultimate sense of connection in me. This intimate connection that you think you can find through all these other means is found in listening to me and doing what I say. Hear and do my words. I pray that we would be blessed by having this connection to Jesus by hearing and doing his word. Y'all okay this morning? We're, we're only one third of the way through. I'm gonna try to be done by kickoff, so y'all just hang with me. I want you to take a breath real quick, because that's heavy. That's a heavy start to a message. I just told you that the thing that's ultimate in your life is a lie. That's, that's hard to hear. It's hard to preach. And I feel the weight of that today. But this is good news. This is good news. Because Jesus came to satisfy that deepest longing that nothing else will. This is grace today. Let's move to our next truth. The next truth is this. We see the warning. And the warning here is that we're not to elevate experience over God's word. If we're going to be people who hear and do his word, we can't elevate experience over the word of God. 
So as Jesus has been doing miracles and healing people, casting demons out, the crowd has continued to grow. In fact, do you remember last week we read about that? He casts a demon out, and it says some people believe, some people had questions, other people asked for more signs. So you were saying, do something else. That's a cool trick. Do it again, right? And they wanted to see more. And Jesus says in verse 29 that this is an evil generation. A generation that seeks a sign, but no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. What's the sign of Jonah? Most scholars would point to the proclamation of the word of God. The sign of Jonah is quite simply the proclamation of God's word. Do you remember Jonah? Uh, he's the guy who, who went and God said, hey, you need to go and preach to the people of Nineveh. And he was like, no, nah, I ain't going to do that. So he got on a boat going the other direction. He ends up in the belly of a big fish for three days and then spit back out. And then he's like, okay, I'll go preach to Nineveh. Okay. <laughs> Nothing like the Lord changing your heart, right? Uh, just a warning. He can change your heart the hard way. That's all I'm saying. All right. Some of you are not even going to walk near a body of water for the next foreseeable season. So he goes and he preaches the word. He preaches a hard sermon. And guess what happens? As he preaches the word, the people repent and God's grace changes them. Then he says, hey, then the queen of the south, she came from the ends of the earth in a time where nobody could even travel very efficiently. She comes across the world to talk to Solomon and get the wisdom of God that came from Solomon. So Jesus uses these two, two examples. I think he does this on purpose because let's just be real honest. Both of these are very imperfect proclaimers of God's word. Jonah, if you remember the full story, like the, you know, that kind of sounds, you know, we, a lot of times our children's version ends right there. But if you read the rest of Jonah, do you remember what happened? The people repented and Jonah got mad. And Jonah was like, that's why I didn't come in the first place because I knew you'd forgive these people. Some of you really love God's grace when it's for you, but you don't like God's grace when it's for somebody else. If you can't say amen, say ouch, right? I'm all about grace and mercy when it's me. I'm all about justice when it comes to you guys. So Jonah's upset. So even who essentially was, was being racist towards the Ninevites, a different group of people is like, I don't like them, I hate them. God still used Jonah's pro proclamation of his word, an imperfect messenger to do a great work in his people. Solomon, his wisdom came from God. Do you remember that? God said, I'll give you whatever you want. He says, I want wisdom. The people hearing Jesus say this would know that his wisdom came from God. But guess what? When Solomon got old, he did some real stupid stuff too. So they would know that these imperfect messengers were preaching a perfect word. And in preaching the perfect word, people responded to it. When they heard the word, they responded. They heard it and did it. And Jesus says in this text, he's like, something greater than Jonah, something greater than Solomon is here. You know what it is? It's the word of God made flesh in me. And guess what? The word made flesh is preaching the word of God. It doesn't get any better than that, does it? And what's crazy, like even in my tone right now, you hear I'm almost like just astounded and annoyed that the people don't get that. But Jesus isn't that way, right? The gospel tells us multiple times, uh, and Jesus was annoyed by the crowd. No, what does it say? Jesus having compassion for the crowd. Jesus isn't mad and frustrated here. 
said, I believe his heart is breaking. I believe that he's frustrated at the reality that so many of these people are seeking an experience instead of, of seeking him. They're seeking an experience, a sign, a miracle, something awesome, instead of recognizing that the something awesome was Jesus. Friends, this is so easy for us to do today. In the same way you and I have Jesus, who has been revealed completely and perfectly to us through his word. And just like Jonah and Solomon, no matter who is up here proclaiming the word, you've got some imperfect proclaimers, but we have a perfect word of God that perfectly reveals a perfect Savior. And he is all the experience that we need. In the midst of a culture that's driven by entertainment and experience, I think this is a timely word for the church today. I'll tell you, we're doing something that's pretty ridiculous right now when you look at it culturally speaking. Like right now, what we're doing is just is crazy. I mean, communication experts would tell you that I've already preached 10 minutes too long. Some of you are like, yes and Amen. I mean, the best talks are 17 minutes. You have to have the right pictures, give everybody a sticker on the way out, and a lollipop. Right? I, I don't know, I'm kind of going over the top. But, but li literally, what we're doing right now, most communication experts would say, wow, that doesn't make any sense. You mean you're going to open a Bible, all of you are going to look down at a book and talk about that for 40 minutes? Yeah, good luck with that. But why do we do this? But why do we do this if literally science and communication experts would tell us there's a better way? Because we're not trying to create an experience. Rather, we are gathered here trying to experience Jesus. And we believe that God moves in and through us when we gather and open up and teach his word. We believe that the quote-unquote worship experience is not about how good our music is, how awesome the hospitality team does, how epic our environment is, how good the preaching is, how good the donuts and coffee are. It's not about all of those things, but rather our experience begins and ends with Christ and his presence through his word. That's what we believe. And you're not really going to experience him until we hear and respond to the word of God. So here's what I want to tell you. If you come to Crossroad and you say, you know, I just, I'm really just looking for a, a newer experience. It's just not the same. I just really need a better worship experience. I need more of the newer songs or more of the older songs or, or more of this kind of preaching or that kind of preaching or, you know, fill in the blank with whatever that answer may be for you. But if you're running around trying to find a better experience instead of trying to seek Jesus, then you're going to be disappointed every time. Some of you have been going from church to church to church to church to church for most of your life, and you wonder why. But can I just tell you, if you're not experiencing Jesus time and time and time and time and time again, at some point you might need to consider the fact that it's you. That's a tough word to hear. I mean, some of you right now are like, okay, you're leaving this one too, right? <laughs> Listen, friends, the reality is our experience begins and ends with Christ. 
as long as you're seeking a bigger and better experience, I don't think you're going to experience Christ. Now, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. At Crossroad, we do strive to do things excellently. We want our music to be great. Uh, We want to welcome you well. We want to have great donuts and coffee. We want the preaching to be good. Uh, We want, I pray for a couple million dollars to fall out of the sky so we can improve our facilities and add on to them. Like I'm really, uh, like we want to do things well. We're not against that. But here's what you need to understand. If this building were to be blown away today and all of our staff disappeared and all you had was my three-year-old Margie to lead worship on her toy ukulele and my six-year-old Etta to read you the Bible, the same Jesus that we're experiencing now is available to us to experience then. That these things are blessings that the Lord has given us. Praise God for this building, right? Like, I thank God for it. Warts and all, I love having this campus. Thank God for the preaching of his word and your pastor, warts and all. I'm glad to be your pastor. Thank God for our music team. They don't have any warts, all right? I'm going to try not to get in trouble, right? But hey, listen, but it's not about all these things. These are things God has blessed us with, and as long as we're using those to the end of not entertaining you, but instead we come together and we say, it's not about me, but it's about Jesus, then he uses all of these things to help us experience him so we're not trying to create an experience when you come to crossroad when you come to crossroad we want you to come and seek jesus with us and we do that by hearing and doing the word of god the same jesus that we experience today is available to those who hear and do his word our men's Bible study meets on Wednesday mornings, and last Wednesday they talked about the transfiguration. Just to be clear, I don't come to that Bible study because they meet early in the morning, but I know what they're talking about because they're always like one or two steps from heresy, so I always try to check in on them and see what's going on. The first service, the first service guys laughed really hard. This group's like, hey, wait a second. We have the theologians in here. I feel it. But they were talking about the transfiguration. So I had a few conversations about that last week. And man, it's really a very rich study. And I know they had a really good conversation. So why did this happen? What does it mean? What are the theological implications of the transfiguration and all of this? But as they were talking about it, I kept thinking about this passage from 2 Peter chapter 1. And I brought it for you today. I want to show you this. Verse 16 says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased." We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with them on the mountain. Peter is writing this to the early church. And if you're like me at this point, I kind of feel like he's scoreboarding. He's like, hey, y'all remember the transfiguration? We were there, right? And you're like, wow, I wish I could understand that. That had to be amazing. That must have been a a crazy, crazy thing. In fact, I told first service, I think if Peter could have come to the Bible study, he probably had some questions too about the transfiguration. But look at this next verse. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you would do well to pay attention to. Do you hear what Peter's saying? 
Peter's saying, I was on the Mount of Transfiguration. I was there when the glory of God shone through Christ. Moses and Elijah show up. They're having a conversation. One of the craziest, insane scenes that's ever happened on this earth. I was there, but you've got something better. The word of God more fully confirmed. Do you understand what it is we have here, friends? Are you looking to experience something? Open your Bibles. <laughs> Open your Bibles. And he stands ready to meet you there. Y'all doing okay still? I, had to take, I, I'm ta I told you to take a breath last time. Now I'm like, so good. What if we believe, hey, what if we heard this message and did it? <laughs> I think that's what the sermon's called. So we've seen the blessing, hearing and doing, and we've heard the warning not to seek experience, but rather to seek Christ through his word. And finally, before we leave, let's talk about the calling. The calling. The calling is to be holy, bright. In verses 33 to 36, Jesus talks about the way we receive and respond to the light of the world. It's a continuation of the same concept that it's not just about, hey, a light shining, but at some point you have to receive that light and let it change you from the inside out. Now, here's the thing. We need to chat about this for a second because usually when we start talking about the light of Christ, what we do is we immediately talk about letting our light shine before men, right? When we think about the light, we always think about outward. In fact, I've said this and have heard others say it, that we are to reflect the light of Christ into our world. But I don't really think that's the best way to describe it. Rather, I think what the Bible would describe is us first letting the light into our lives so that the light can transform us. Think about 1 John chapter 1 and 2 are kind of descriptive of this, that what happens when the light of Christ shines on us, guess what happens, y'all? We see ourselves for who we really are, and it ain't pretty. There's a reason we dimmed the, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> a, I, we need to make four or five of these lights go out, all right? Because when the light shines on us, it reveals our imperfections. And we don't like our imperfections. That's why some of you don't like to read the Bible. But when we recognize that we have a God who loves us and is trying to transform us, guess what? When we see things that we need to change, through his help, his transforming light begins to help root out sin in our lives. And we're slowly transformed from the inside out. And when we're transformed from the inside out, when we let the light of Christ do its work in us, we're not just reflecting the light of Christ, but we literally shine we literally become people who shine bright into a world of darkness. We become what the text calls holy bright. I love that phrase, completely. Man, I want to be so saturated with Jesus and his presence that everything in my life shines. Everything. That's what it means to be holy bright. That's what it means for us to reach, teach, live, and love like Jesus. This doesn't start with a new style of church. It doesn't start with a fresh idea or a fresh vision. Do you know how this is accomplished? Through the seemingly ordinary, basic, elementary commitment for us to read God's word and do what he tells us to do. 
I truly believe that the church of Jesus Christ would see a revival like it has not seen in generations if the people of God would get serious about the word of God. Not just reading it and checking off a box, but reading it and letting the light of Christ shine in us in such a way that we begin to shine brighter and brighter in a world that's full of darkness. This is our mission. This is our call. Let's be people who hear the word of God. Let's be people who do the word of God. You bow your heads and close your eyes.